Chapter 9 of the Red Cross Girls with the Russian Army. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Attack. There was a great deal more for the three American Red Cross girls to confide to one another than they could find time for, soon after Nona Davis's return to the fortress. But two evenings later, it chanced that the three girls were all on day duty and therefore had the same evening and night free. In the left wing of the fortress, near the hospital quarters, was the single small bedroom which the three American nurses shared. Once before, Nona had discovered Barbara Mead rereading one of Dick Thornton's letters and giving way to the blues in their small, cold chamber. This evening, she made the discovery a second time. It chanced that Barbara had gotten away from her nursing first and hurried off to the only privacy that was possible under the circumstances. Because she was looking forward to a long and serious conversation with her two friends, she made ready to meet the situation as comfortably as possible. This means that Barbara slipped out of her nursing uniform and into the pretty kimono that Mildred presented her with long ago in Paris. Then, while she waited for the others, she read Dick's and Eugenia's latest letters once again. At last Dick had arrived in New York City and was writing from the lovely home Barbara remembered so well. He had only been there a little while when this letter had been written, but already Dick had confided the news of his engagement to his mother and father. Barbara could read between the lines in a characteristic feminine fashion. Dick declared that his father was delighted to hear of his happiness and that he had not forgotten that they probably owed their son's life to the girl to whom he was now engaged. But Judge Thornton agreed with his son. A man should be able to support his wife before he married. Therefore, he meant to do all that he could to get Dick started in the right way, so that he might go ahead as quickly as possible. Dick did not seem to feel that it would take very long to accomplish this delectable result, but to Barbara, away off in Russia, a land she both disliked and feared, the situation looked pretty indefinite. Moreover, Dick had said nothing about the way in which his mother had received the news of a prospective daughter-in-law. This was not an oversight on Dick's part. Barbara understood him too well to be deceived into any such impression. He and his mother were too intimate and devoted for him not to care intensely about her attitude toward the girl he wished to marry. Never could he have forgotten to mention his mother's position. No, it was merely what she had always expected. Mrs. Thornton thoroughly disapproved of her son's engagement, and Dick would not wound the girl he loved by writing her this fact. Later, there was a chance that his mother might be persuaded to change her mind but in any case it would be easier to explain by word of mouth than coldly to set down the present situation. Moreover, if Barbara had required further proof, she would have had it in the fact that Mrs. Thornton had not written her a single line to say either that she was glad or sorry that the daughter of her husband's old friend had become engaged to her only son. If she had spoken of the matter to Mildred, Mildred had never referred to it proving again that any comment from Mrs. Thornton must have been unfavorable. While she made these reflections following the rereading of her fiancé's letter, Barbara was lying on her cot bed with an army blanket drawn close up under her chin. Now she buried her curly head deeper in her pillow and turned from Dick's to Eugenia's letter. 
It was difficult to think of Eugenia Peabody as Madame Castagna, indeed as the Countess Castagna, only neither she nor her husband would ever be induced to use their titles. The old Countess might always remain in safe possession of hers. Barbara wondered if Eugenia was happier than she was. Then she felt ashamed of herself. Eugenia's husband was every instant in danger of losing his life, while Dick had only returned to the United States, where he was now safe in his own home. Yet Eugenia's letter made no complaints. She mentioned having seen Captain Castagna once in the past month, when he had received a leave of absence of twenty-four hours and had hurried to her. No, Eugenia's letter was chiefly devoted, as all her previous letters had been, to her interest and concern in the three American Red Cross girls. She wished them to return immediately to France and to the old chateau, where the Countess Castagna would be only too happy to shelter them. Later, if they wished, they could find other Red Cross work to do in France. But Russia was not a country where the girls should have gone at this time, and certainly not without her to look after them. Moreover, the news from the Russian lines grew more and more alarming. Everywhere the Germans seemed to be conquering. It was disheartening after the Russian triumphs at the beginning of the war. The letter closed with a final plea. Would Barbara do her best to persuade Nona and Mildred that they should as soon as possible come back to France? There would be no cowardice or desertion of duty in leaving Russia at present, only discretion and good sense. And upon this point of view, Barbara was reflecting when Nona found her. Personally, Barbara agreed with Eugenia and wished that Nona and Mildred would join her in withdrawing from Russia whenever they could best be spared. But she could not decide whether she ought to thrust her point of view upon her friends since she was uncertain whether her judgment or her desire most swayed her. France would be so much nearer New York and therefore Dick's letters could be much more frequent. Then there was the Countess Castagna, to whom she could pour out all her heart-burnings. Moreover, there was the chance of every now and then seeing her beloved Eugenia. But Barbara also remembered that she had always been the least brave and determined of the four American nurses ever since their arrival in Europe. Should she reveal herself in the self-same light again? At this instant, Nona snuggled under the blanket beside the younger girl. The Russian winter was fast approaching, and frequently it was bitterly cold. Besides, there were no chairs in the Red Cross girls' bedroom, only the three beds and some stools, so it was simpler to lie down than be seated. I have a long story to tell you, Bab, and I want your advice, only I think we had best wait for Mildred, so you may not have to hear everything twice, Nona began. You mean about Sonia Valesky? Barbara queried. Of course, Nona had told her two friends of Sonia's arrest, but had not been able to go into the details of the story, nor had she mentioned her own intentions. Very possibly, both the girls would disapprove, as Lieutenant Orloff had done, of her becoming more closely involved with Sonia Bolesky's history. Fortunately, Mildred appeared at the door without further delay. But when she entered the room, both of her companions could see that she also had something of importance upon her mind which she wished to discuss at once. Instead of lying down, Mildred immediately seated herself upon the edge of her cot facing her friends. Then she drew her own blanket up around her shoulders. Girls, she began, I don't usually do the talking, but I want both of you to listen to me for a few moments tonight. 
I have been trying to speak of this for several days, and if I don't tell you now, the order may come when you are wholly unprepared. We are to be sent back to Petrograd as soon as a safe escort can be found for us. Sent back to Petrograd. Thank fate for even so much, Barbara whispered under the cover. Petrograd might be the beginning of a return journey to France. Then she drew her chin up, endeavoring to appear deeply wounded. Do you mean, Mildred, that our services as Red Cross nurses are not considered valuable? She demanded. Why, only today one of the Russian surgeons declared that it was difficult to decide which one of us did the best work. Of course, I think Mildred at present deserves the prize. Nona has been off duty so long in taking care of Sonia Valesky. Mildred Thornton glanced from one girl's face to the other. In spite of Barbara's effort to conceal her pleasure, it was evident that she was secretly rejoicing. But Mildred understood Barbara's position. It was natural that she should feel as she did under the circumstances. Then Barbara had never put forth any claims to being a martyr. What really surprised Mildred Thornton was Nona Davis's expression of relief, almost of pleasure, at her news. Why, Nona had been more enthusiastic than any of them over the Red Cross nursing in Russia. She it was who had originally planned their coming into Russia and had been most deeply interested since their arrival. But why are we to be sent back to Petrograd? Nona also demanded, frowning a little in her effort to grasp the situation. What reason was given? Have we failed in any duty or service since our arrival at Agrovno? Nona went on, sitting up while two spots of color appeared in her cheeks. Please, Mildred, don't be mysterious. Tell us where you received your information and why we are to be sent away so ignominiously. Mildred Thornton shook her head in quiet reproach. She was not so impatient nor so unreasonable as the other two girls. I am waiting to tell you she returned. The other afternoon I was sitting alone in the little Russian church when General Dmitri Alexis came in. On leaving, he chanced to discover me and asked me to walk with him for a few moments. You know, I told you I had met him the day he came into my hospital ward to decorate the dying soldier, Mildred added. This time her companions only nodded, not wishing to interrupt. Well, it was General Alexis himself who said that he wished us to go back to Petrograd. It was not that he felt the fortress at Grovno would not be able to hold out against the German attacks, but that a soldier should be prepared for any emergency. In case Grovno should fall, or General Alexis decide it wiser to retreat and join another portion of Grand Duke Nicholas's army, he does not wish us at Grovno. He says that the Russian Red Cross nurses have the right to remain with their own soldiers, but that we are Americans and with us the circumstances are different. He does not intend that harm shall befall us, so I am afraid we have no choice in the matter. As soon as the order comes from General Alexis, we must be ready to leave at once. One can scarcely dare disobey the commander-in-chief, Mildred concluded with regret in her tones. Certainly not, Barbara added with emphasis. Then for another moment, Nona Davis continued gazing thoughtfully at Mildred. I suppose I ought to tell you, Mildred, you and Barbara both, that I am not sorry we are to go to Petrograd. Indeed, I am truly glad, because I had intended to try to get permission to return there alone. You know I told you of Sonia's arrest, 
but I did not tell you that I intend to do all that I possibly can to befriend her. She seems to have no one who cares what becomes of her, so far as I can find out, except her two old servants, Katja and Nika. I may not be able to do much, but I have written Eugenia, asking her to lend me some money and to forward it to the American ambassador at Petrograd as soon as possible. I would like to leave almost at once. You see, I don't know what has become of Sonia, nor when her trial may take place. And for my part, I hope you may never know, Barbara protested, sitting up with her cheeks suddenly crimson and her hair much tousled. See here, girls. I know neither of you think much of my advice, and very probably you don't consider me especially brave. I'm not disputing the last point but I am more sensible than either of you, and I can see both sides of a situation better. Mildred is an idealist, and Nona, you are a dreamer. You think you are not, but I expect you have more of your mother's blood in you than you realize. I am desperately sorry for Sonia Valesky. I think she is an exquisite and much-wronged woman with the courage and devotion necessary to a martyr. But I don't see that you are particularly fitted to follow her example, Nona. That is all that would happen if you attempt to mix yourself up with Sonia Valesky's political fortunes in Petrograd. You have no important friends and could do absolutely nothing for her, but you might manage to get yourself and us, because we care for you, into a great deal of hot water. Mildred began to undress. I think Bab is right, Nona, though I understand just how you feel. It does seem too cruel to desert a friend in a time of such extremity. When we get to Petrograd, perhaps we can talk Sonia Valesky's case over with our ambassador, and he may help us with his advice. Let's get to sleep now. We can judge more wisely in the morning. It was too cold for a leisurely disrobing, so in a very short time the three girls were ready for the night. Soon after, they were asleep. For many hours, lasting all through the darkness, the fortress at Grovno appeared wrapped in a profound silence. This in spite of the presence of many thousands of men without and within its gates. Now and then there may have been the faint noise of a sentry changing his watch, or a scout arriving with a report for headquarters. It was just at dawn when the German attack began, but the Russian general had been warned and was awaiting it. Never in all the grim history of war was there ever a more sudden or more terrific cannonading. The three American girls were at first stunned by the unexpected noises of the explosions. Shell after shell shrieked over the walls of the fortress, cannon after cannon repeated an unceasing bombardment. Neither were the Russian guns slow in replying. Except for the location of the sounds, it was impossible to tell which were the Russian cannon and which those of the enemy. For some time, no one of the three American girls attempted to speak. It would have been impossible to have heard one another. But by and by, Barbara crawled out of her cot and put her arm about Mildred Thornton. I am frightened, Mildred. I wish your general's order had come sooner and we were safely away from Grovno. I think perhaps because of Dick I don't want anything dreadful to happen. I want to be happy. There was a sob in Barbara's voice which Mildred heard, if not with her ears, at least with her heart. It is going to be all right, little sister, she returned. I can't explain exactly why, but I have perfect faith in General Alexis. End of chapter 9